One of the best ways to support the FTF podcast is to check out our Patreon over at patreon.com slash finish the fight for exclusive episodes, insights, interviews, and plenty more. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast. Where we produce and develop the highest quality gaming research in podcast form. I am your host, Alex Kendall. And I am your host, Derek Baker. And today, we are talking about the Sony Mario Killer. Not that first one, not Crash Bandicoot. They didn't succeed. (laughs) But the second one that said, we're not going to compete, we're just going to live side by side and actually make a decent platformer. Yeah, Sackboy too. I mean, he is a little bit of a different approach. You had Crash Bandicoot, who's supposed to be like this cool, kind of quirky, funny character. And Sackboy, you know, just a little Sackboy. Cute just little guy little who cute. just likes to be jumping from platform to platform. <laughs> he just living his best. And of course, we're talking about Sackboy from Little Big Planet, which was, again, kind of the jump for Sony to try and make a new mascot. We're seeing Kratos starting to come out as like a Sony mascot. Sackboy's going to kind of fall in there along with a couple other familiar faces. But we see this in 2008 with this kind of random platformer uh, released by Media Molecule that does, again, I I don't want to say rival Mario or tries to go after it, but it takes that premise, that idea of a platformer as a mainstay item and brings it to life. I think that what is significant about them trying to develop another mascot for the system is that the PlayStation 2, obviously, we know was like the most successful console of all time. And then the PlayStation 3 mm-hmm. comes out. Xbox 360, the biggest competitor at the time, has all of these Xbox exclusives and they mm-hmm. are building these great worlds you know like gears of war obviously they've got halo as well along with some other things playstation didn't really have that in the same way they had a few games but they wanted to start i think building more games that people would recognize and associate with the playstation specifically to sort of combat that and that answer is games like little big planet Exactly. And so let's go ahead and just hop into it. Little Big Planet is a 2008 platform game developed by Media Molecule, as Alex said, and published by Sony Computer Entertainment for the PlayStation 3. The first game of the Little Big Planet franchise, the player character is Sackboy, a brown ragdoll with the ability to create. The level editor is the main focus of the game, allowing the player to create levels and publish them online. The pre-made levels in the story mode are built around Sackboy's basic control scheme. They're grouped into areas, each centering around a theme. The story mode revolves around Sackboy helping various creator-curators around Little Big Planet before facing the Collector, who has been kidnapping and stealing creations. 
Little Big Planet was met with widespread critical acclaim and was nominated for and won many awards. Praise went to the gameplay, creative, and community aspects of the game. While sales initially dwindled for Little Big Planet, the game was ultimately a commercial success, reaching 4 million sales. It is considered among the greatest video games of all time. Although there were initially no plans to release a sequel, Little Big Planet became a franchise with Little Big Planet 2, spin-offs and Little Big Planet 3, and Sackboy became a mascot for Sony. The release of Little Big Planet coincided with the rise of user-generated content and helped launch a genre of level editing games. Its online functionality was discontinued on the 13th of September in 2021 alongside services for Little Big Planet 2, Little Big Planet PS Vita, and the PlayStation 3 version of Little Big Planet 3. So yeah, I mean, we, we're starting to see this rise, especially in the late aughts, the late kind of tens, with user-generated content, with mods, with official content such as level editors. And we had seen some of that in Halo going into like Forge mode, being able to create your own maps, create your own gameplay types. And it's something that fans have always wanted and developers are realizing. We've had mod makers for as long as we've basically had games that had some capability to be able to tap into the main frame of it and to understand what code went around into it. And so now that you're making this an official functionality for games, this is the rise. You know, the, the 2000, late 2010s, early, or sorry, late aughts into the, the early 2010s brought that shift of user gen content and a lot more character creation, a lot more just viability for putting the games back into the public's hands into kind of what they want. And it's interesting because it really is a pivotal moment, I think, in gaming history. Just not Little Big Planet in particular, but just these user generated content type games because there's mm-hmm. so much that has to go into making sure that that stuff isn't game breaking. You're building not only your own game and your own content, but you're also sort of building these options and with options come bugs and issues and things sure. that have to be accounted for. So these games that are really simple little platformers like Little Big Planet, um, having the ability to have all this customization really shows, I think, a new step forward in gaming and programming. It, and that's it. And, and this wouldn't be if we didn't have some people that worked on an Xbox game that created a new studio. So let's talk about what it was to create Media Molecule, um, which were a lot of people who came from Lionhead Studios who developed games like Fable that we know and love, um, and break down what it took to make this little sack boy come to life. So prior to forming Media Molecule, Mark Healy, Karim Tway, Alex Evans, and David Smith worked at Lionhead Studios and developed the 3D platformer Ragdoll Kung Fu in 2005, the first third-party video game released on Steam. After a cinema visit to see Howl's Moving Castle, Healy and Smith discussed a game that had character controls similar to Ragdoll Kung Fu that would be playable on a console. Healy and Smith left Lionhead Studios in December 2005, along with Evans and Etwe. When they initially formed Media Molecule, back then known as Brain Fluff, they had only a vague idea of what game they wanted to create. They wanted to create an ambitious, console-friendly game that utilized user-generated content, appealed to a broad audience, and proved that a small company could develop a mainstream game. Media Molecule arranged a meeting with Phil Harrison, 
the president of Sony Computer Entertainment Worldwide Studios. They created a prototype of their idea, a game called Craft World, a physics-based 2D side-scrolling game with a placeholder character called Mr. Yellowhead. The company chose to pitch their idea to Harrison using their own software rather than PowerPoint, which allowed for bullet point information as its standard presentations, but also for live, controllable movement of game characters. Media Molecule pitched the prototype to Harrison in January 2006. By their own admission, the pitch was vague, and they had deliberately toned down the creative aspect of the game, which they felt might have appeared as weird for a console game, for fear of negative reception of their pitch by Sony. They presented the prototype purely as a playable game, and only briefly mentioned the user-created content aspect. Evans relates that Harrison actually picked up on the creative side, and had asked them why they had chosen not to explore this element further. The meeting, which had been scheduled to last 45 minutes, eventually lasted three hours, at the end of which, Sony agreed to fund the project for six months. Media Molecule became incorporated as a company in February 2006. After some further development, the team was asked to present what they had done to Sony in what Healy describes as a Dragon's Den-style scenario, or the Americanized version Shark Tank. Following this, Sony gave them a deal to develop Little Big Planet for the PlayStation 3 in exchange for exclusivity and ownership of the intellectual property. Despite backing from Sony, Media Molecule was unsure about exactly what direction they were going to take the game. They also worried about whether people would understand or even like the game, but these worries were dispelled after its first presentation at the Game Developers Conference in 2007. Media Molecule was aware of the fact that Sony wanted them to demonstrate the game at the upcoming convention, but they were not told they were to be part of Phil Harrison's keynote speech until near the date it was due to take place. Healy stated that it was only when they arrived in San Francisco for the conference that they realized just how much Sony was devoted to the game, much more than Media Molecule had previously thought. Healy relates that although the revelation of Sony's faith in the game boosted their confidence, it increased the pressure on them, and they realized that their task had become much greater than originally anticipated. And to think that Sackboy, which to me, you know, Little Big Planet is one of the most laid-back games that you could probably play mm -hmm. on the PlayStation oh, yeah. 3, and Sackboy is one of the most adorable <laughs> little mascots that you could ask for, to think that there's all this intense pressure and scrutiny that is happening behind the scenes because they don't want to let, you know, uh, Daddy Sony down uh, is really interesting because I don't think that it comes across that way in the final product at all. No, but I think it's a huge jump because when you think Sony and PlayStation, I think more of adult-related content, not in that way, but in the way of things of like shooters, <laughs> God of War, like being the mascot for it, you know, like this hack and slash demon killer. Then you have Sackboy, this fun, lovable Yoshi's Island-esque feel to a character as being a keynote to this like opposite of Nintendo. And for that to be like lumped in and for be it being such a small studio and basically their first game to like be like, hey, you're going to be a headliner. Best of luck. It, it, that's, that's such immense pressure. Yeah, absolutely. And man, Yoshi's Island. What a comparison. What a game. Mm-hmm. 
So let's talk a little bit about the design and, and what made Little Big Planet special. Keeley was the creative director. Atune was the art director, and Evans and Smith were the technical directors. And Little Big Planet was designed around its associated tagline, Play, Create, Share. Players could play the story levels, create levels using their creation tools, and publish them to the community for others to play. Keeley wanted Little Big Planet to bridge the gap between casual and hardcore gaming. A particular goal was to make it so players could create levels of higher quality than even the story levels. Though the game was meant to be ambitious and to allow players to creatively express themselves, constraints were placed on the game deliberately to make the game more focused and fun and to appeal to uncreative people. Prior to the creation of Sackboy, Smith designed Mr. Yellowhead to be the player character for the Craftworld prototype. After the prototype was showcased to Harrison, the design of Mr. Yellowhead would evolve into the modern form of Sackboy over time. The reason Sackboy was created was to serve as the customizable avatar for the player, and for this reason it was not given a voice or defined personality. One of the goals of designing Sackboy was to make him appeal to a broad audience. The zipper used on the modern design was initially going to be used to access create mode, though it was scrapped and eventually replaced with My Moon. Little Big Planet was designed to be supported post-release, with Evans stating that Media Molecule would be supporting the community massively. Through the use of updates, Media Molecule would make changes to the game after release. And the studio also has the ability to add content packs, new game modes, and new objects. Although there were no plans to add additional features through updates, they did decide to use patches to add Little Big Store and online access to Create Mode, neither of which were available when the game first released. Originally, Harrison wanted to create Little Big Planet as a downloadable service that monetized user generated content, but it was scrapped early on. Now, uh, the early maybe the era man was just wanting... a little ahead of his time. <laughs> Listen, this was also the era where Bethesda was also treading those waters, saying, "Hey, mod makers should make money." But what they're saying is, we should get a cut of the mods that are made because it's technically our content. And luckily, you know. No matter where you are in the gaming sphere, everyone banded together and was like, that is an idiotic idea. Why would we do that? And they, they quickly backpedaled like, oh, whoa, whoa, we were just trying to like help people. We weren't trying to be greedy and make a bunch of money off of your guys' backs, but like, it's okay, it's okay. So I'm glad this model was scrapped for user gen stuff, but we obviously we're in 2023 now. Um, we do see a lot of predatory practices that are took ideas off of this. Yeah. But at least we didn't have this. It definitely is a quick path, I think, to money. And I think that's where Bethesda, you're absolutely right. They, they saw that opportunity and it's maybe a little A, a little B. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, maybe some modders could have made decent money, but sure. they had no interest in partnering with Bethesda. It was almost like they were being forced into that relationship, given an ultimatum. And that's what they didn't it, want. Yeah at all yeah, 100% was yeah and, I, and and it wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't even like a fair split like they earned you know a small percentage of that sale with Bethesda being like look we're supporting you but also we're like claiming most of your income that you should get for 
this thing. <laughs> yeah. But we're glad you did it. Thank you so much. And it's great, you know, that there exist these these games that are so open and and can have these new unique things programmed into them to make them special, mm-hmm. unique experiences and things like that. And Little Big Planet though, I think was designed with all that stuff in mind in its own contained universe already. Yeah. And like you said, to appeal to uncreative types, I feel like adding this whole other perspective of, well, now here's these other maybe more creative, more, uh, I want to say like programming gifted types that would be not only generating content, but generating content that they were going to make money off of. It feels like it mm-hmm. kind of goes directly against the spirit of what this game was supposed to be, which was just supposed to be that laid back sort of fun, you know, we've got some predetermined things that will still allow you to access your more creative side. Yeah. So it's probably a good thing that they decided, hey, this is a bad idea. We shouldn't do that. Yeah. It's super smart. And, and we, we see Nintendo take this into their own hands with Mario Maker. And with that, being able to take, you know, multiple different Mario games, take most of the assets from those games and make your own levels from. And we've seen, like, I mean, just going to YouTube and typing, like, Mario Maker content, like, there's still a bunch of people playing Mario Maker 2 and creating, like, these insane levels that Nintendo would have never thought to do, whether it's too hard, whether they're, like, troll levels. And they're like, oh, can't go that way. Oops, you got bonked. Like, with frustration aspect of it, it, it's so interesting to see what people are still creating. For a game that technically Nintendo does not care about anymore, <laughs> but that they're still kind of putting together and built this huge community around. And I know that's what Sackboy was trying to do with that as well. Yep. But let's see how successful they were when it came to actually showing the fans what they had. So Little Big Planet was first announced, as we had said, in March 2007 at GDC during Harrison's keynote address. The keynote address was about innovative trends of customization and social interaction among contemporary games which he dubbed Game 3.0. The presentation of Little Big Planet included a demonstration of various creative tools, followed by a pre-made level. The game was later presented in similar fashion in July of 07 at E3. It was showcased at the Tokyo Game Show in September of 07, at the Consumer Electronics Show or CES in January of 08, and at the Leipzig Games Convention in August of 08 as well. Little Big Planet was also showcased for a second time. So once they had a little bit more content at E3 in 08 and TSG in 08 as well. SCE undertook a pre-order campaign in the run-up to the game's release. In August 2008, in North America, SCE partnered with several major online retailers to offer unique bonus gifts to customers pre-ordering the game from the selected retailers. These gifts included a sticker book, a burlap pouch, and an official game guide, along with downloadable costumes for Sackboy of Kratos from God of War and Nariko from Heavenly Sword. So Ward, as some might say, but Sword. <laughs> According to Engadget, while the United States got all pre-order bonuses, Canada only got the Kratos and Nariko costumes. In Europe, Play.com offered the custom of Nariko to customers who pre-ordered the game. So uh, again, a couple things. We're starting to get in that trend of like, Okay, pre-orders. Definitely some cool things with the sticker book and the pouch and things like that. But then a lot of that like DLC of costumes, which again, I like seeing when partner 
games and companies share content with it. So it's kind of cool to have little little Kratos boy. Yeah, and Sony titles in particular have been really good about this, about sharing things across different studios, different mm-hmm. games, you know, and like Ghost of Tsushima, you can get a ton of different armors that reference other games. And that's a really neat thing. They, I mean, they haven't stopped doing that even... I think that they were doing it before this, just continued that trend. They want everything associated with Sony to really be associated with Sony. Oh, yeah. Around May 2007, a demo of Little Big Planet was rumored. Although it was planned to be released in late 2007, by the end of the year, public relations officer Ron Eagle confirmed that there would be no demo that year. In September of 2008, a limited public beta was made available with a focus on stress testing the sharing functions of Little Big Planet. Availability lasted from the 24th of September through October 11th of that year, and in order to access it, the player would have to have a beta key, which was a code that could be inputted in the PlayStation Store for access to the beta test. Various sites gave out beta keys around that time, including Eurogamer and IGN. After GDC 2007, LittleBigPlanet had become anticipated by various gamers before release. The concept was well-received among the press and was especially anticipated by those with access to the beta version. Jeremy Dunham of IGN reported that in GDC 2007, quote, even in the presence of home, Sony's impressive new community software, Little Big Planet, stole the show at Phil Harrison's Game 3.0 practice conference and was the best thing that everyone was talking about. The presentation for E3 2007 won the Game Critics Awards for Best Original Game, and the presentation for E3 2008 won Best Console Game and Best Social Casual and Puzzle. Evans has expressed surprise by the hype of the game, and he stated, we had no expectation that it would become so strongly associated as a lead title on a platform. Which I totally agree. Coming from Mr. Yellowhead and this 2D side-scroller to be like, yeah, we just want some like customization for fans to kind of get their hands on this game, be able to make it their own, to being like, you are the game of the year right now. Like, you guys need to make this or you are dead in the water as a studio. So like definitely a huge amount of pressure coming off of like a tech demo in 07 to be like, uh, all right, let's do this. A lot of pressure, but it's still kind of interesting because it never seems like throughout this process that the pressure is being imposed on them. It sort of feels like pressure that they've sort of taken on to themselves because they want to make a good game and they want to make daddy sony proud and they want to be a good flagship title whereas you know compare that to like a halo 2 type of development where there's a ton of pressure this game has to come out by this time this game has to be great you know because the success of this console is reliant on halo 2 um going forward and and things like that so there there's definitely a way that sony could have approached this relationship and it feels like they gave them the space necessary to really get this out support through the beta testing and and making sure that the game was going to help the sony community as a whole yeah and and one of the biggest things derek that really appealed to everyone out there was the gameplay brought to you by segways 101 (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> so Little Big Planet, as we know, is a physics-based platform game that is designed around the tagline, which Sony adapted, play, create, share. The player can play in the levels in the game, create levels, and share them online. The pod, which takes the form of a cardboard ship, serves as a hub to these options. The ability to play other levels is on the planet known as Little Big Planet, where story mode and published levels are available. The level editor is on My Moon, which also allows the player to publish levels on Little Big Planet. The player character, as we know, is Sackboy, which can be customized through the use of costumes like Little Kratos Baby. Sackboy can run, jump, and grab objects that are made out of certain materials. He can also grab jetpacks to fly, move between the three layers of the game, and access a menu known as the Puppet, which has the appearance of a floating vertical rectangle connected to Sackboy with a filament. The Puppet is the source of customizing tools, stickers, and objects. The player can give Sackboy one of four emotions, happy, sad, scared, and angry with varying degrees of severity, very much like that. So go ahead, take those raw emotions out of me and uh, see where those land on little sack. They just took that little pain thing that you <laughs> see at the doctor's office and they're like, make every single one of these stages. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> the story mode of Little Big Planet consists of eight themed areas, each with three or four main levels. Keys are hidden throughout the main levels, which when collected, unlock bonus levels. This adds up to a grand total of 50 total levels, totaling a total of 50 total levels, Derek. Oh, we've totaled, baby. Well, Good hopefully total. not totaled like bad totaled, like when you total your car. We're just totaling. Well, you know, I think it's up to all of us to decide on our own whether those levels were totaled or totally... Totally rad. <laughs> Each level is designed around the control scheme of Sackboy and the themes of their area. For example... The Metropolis involves navigating sewers and hopping on subways. Although the story mode is in sequential order, each of the levels can be replayed to collect prize bubbles, which contain items including costumes, stickers, songs, and objects. There are also score bubbles, which when collected in a chain can grant a multiplier to the amount of score gained from those score bubbles. Each of the levels also contains checkpoints, where Sackboy can respawn if he dies. Each checkpoint has three available uses or, in some cases, six, depending on like the severity of the level. If the last activated checkpoint runs out of uses, the level ends. The player has the ability to play the game with up to three other players. Some puzzles for finding prize bubbles in story mode require more than one player, so they said, if you ain't got no friends, you better go find some. It, it sort of makes sense for a game that's really focused on building up a community uh, yes, for yes. Sony. and. I think a big part of that was them seeing how successful like Xbox Live was. And mm -hmm. Sony really hadn't found a way to have that same level of online. Um, Xbox Live really was so good for so long compared to mm -hmm. PlayStation. And obviously Nintendo still is not on par with either of those two. So yeah, yeah. To, to say, hey, we need to get these people playing games together for the future. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, because you're right. Like Xbox Live at that time, and it's really why, looking forward in the future, why the Xbox 360, not only with their titles, but achievements, their connectivity, the quality of Xbox Live beat out that era of gaming because Sony was more like, oh, just 
connect the internet, plug your ethernet in and you're doing stuff with people. And there was no sense of community. There was no sense of gratifying this, even though it was free compared to, you know, Xbox live, but that payment really sunk into the quality that you got out of it. Absolutely. And so little big planet, I think was really that pull. Cause you know, PS2 had some online capabilities. They're like, what if we express those more? This is going to be the era of online gaming. How can we capitalize on that? How can we draw a new and current audience into it? Yeah, absolutely. And I think a little bit of this feels forced because even with yeah. things like Little Big Planet, PlayStation 3 never really quite caught up to where the Xbox 360 was in terms of its. I think natural ability to have good online play and good cooperative play mm-hmm, through mm-hmm. Xbox Live. And so you could tell with decisions like this that it was definitely at the forefront of their minds. The execution may not have been as good because it was forced, but it gets better with the PlayStation 4. And obviously, I think they're on par with each other now. Absolutely. So let's talk settings and characters. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Little Big Planet is set on a titular planet, a world full of creations made by creator curators. That's a mouthful. Sackboy is definitely tough. Yeah. <laughs> it, it it can't be much worse than saying uh media molecule this entire oh, time. Yeah, they, they just they just like they just like their like sequential alliteration of letters. Oh man. It's been brutal. Audience, it's been <laughs> brutal. <laughs> Sackboy explores through eight of the creations, each with a theme based on locations around the world. The eight creations are the gardens, the savannah, the weddings, the canyons, the metropolis, the islands, the temples, and the wilderness. Each creator curators being the king, Zola the Lion King, Frida, Uncle Jalapeno, Mags the Mechanic, Grandmaster Sensei, the Great Magician, and the Collector, respectively. Each creation is based on Britain, Africa, South America, Mexico, America, Japan, India, and Siberia, respectively. And of course, there is a bit of a story with Little Big Planet. After Sackboy explores the gardens, learning various tools along the way, the king sends Sackboy to the savannah for him to begin his adventure. Sackboy accidentally destroys one of Zola's creations but Zola agrees to forgive Sackboy if he finds out what is troubling the bison. The cause is discovered to be crocodiles. Their king, Croc, reveals that Meerkat Mum is accusing Croc of eating Meerkat Mum's son, 
Stripey Tail. Sackboy finds Stripey Tail at a VIP club in a disco and brings him to Meerkat Mom. Entering the weddings, Sackboy is told by a butler that Frida's groom, Don Lu, has gone missing. Sackboy finds Don Lu, who had gotten lost and exhausted in the dark crypts. Frida, however, goes on a rampage with a destructive machine called the Skulldozer, believing she had been abandoned by Don Lu. Sackboy destroys the Skulldozer and reunites Frida and Don Lu. They decide to travel to the canyons for their honeymoon, and Don Lu invites Sackboy over to meet Don Lu's uncle, Jalapeno. There, a citizen named Devante reveals that Sheriff Zapata kidnapped Jalapeno. Sackboy and Devante free Jalapeno from his prison cell with the use of bombs, and Sackboy finds Zapata in the Serpent Shrine, who tries to blow up Sackboy with bombs, killing himself in the process. Jalapeno, wanting a vacation, goes to the metropolis with Sackboy. A resident mechanic, Mags, reveals that martial artist Zaydude stole Mags' car. Zaydude races Sackboy with the car but crashes it into a river. And after Sackboy recovers the car from sewage, Zedude starts vandalizing Mags' construction site with a fireball machine. Sackboy fights and beats Zedude and his bouncers. Finding him a worthy fighter, Zedude sends Sackboy to the islands. There, the Grandmaster Sensei trains Sackboy's skills as a warrior to fight the terrible Oni. After Sackboy saves Grandmaster Sensei's flamethrowing cat from a sumo wrestler, the Sensei sends Sackboy to fight the terrible Oni in the volcano. Afterwards, the Sensei sends Sackboy to the temples to get a flamethrowing cat. So, what I'm learning... Because playing through Sackboy, like, this makes sense, and I'm, like, recalling this. On paper, this is just a fever dream. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so intense. Compared to like what Little Big Planet yeah, actually playing and, and, it is, it's and when you um, want to compare it to like, it's two totally different things reciting <laughs> it versus yeah. Because you compare it to Mario, it. and it's like oh, jumps in some turtles, jumps on some Goomba things, fights this giant lizard king to save a princess. Okay, we got to get Jalapeno, who is this kid's? But if, but if you were, to, <laughs> if you were to recite that story, it's like okay, you're an Italian plumber. You, you fall down into this world, you're sprinting around. Mario travels through the first world, beating turtles and mushrooms all the way. He takes some funny mushrooms. He jumps down into a pipe. He goes through all these crazy caverns. He shoots fireballs unless he gets hit. And then eventually he fights a giant turtle, but it's revealed to actually just be a Goomba in disguise. I mean, you could definitely do that same thing. Yeah, there's thing. no one named Jalapeno who wants a vacation, so they go to Metropolis where Zed Dude is waiting for right. <laughs> It's true. The, the names are definitely superior. superior. Let me wrap this up real quick, and I'll give, you, I'll give you a couple more names to throw in there. So, wrapping it up, in the temples, the shopkeeper sends Sackboy to the goddess for her to lead Sackboy's way. The goddess reveals that the great magician needs help to bring sharing back to Little Big Planet. The great magician reveals to Sackboy that the collector is stealing creations around Little Big Planet and not sharing them around the world. The great magician teleports Sackboy to the wilderness to find the collector. Sackboy breaches the collector's base and starts freeing all the inhabitants of Little Big Planet from their cages, including the curator creators. 
Sackboy confronts the Collector, who attacks Sackboy with machines. After Sackboy destroys the machines, the Collector tries to escape through his pod, which breaks down. Defeated, the Collector admits that he went evil, because he has no friends to share with. The King appears and addresses the player, calling for them to be a part of the Little Big Planet community. Now, I know that they said they got rid of monetization early on because they should. Is it because they saw themselves as the collector who was stealing ideas and making people pay for them? <laughs> like, it come on. They were writing the story and they were like, oh, like it no, it this is me. Like, you would be the collector. I would just write and be like, studio, that's you. You're putting like content behind paywalls. That is you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's um like you read maybe a dr seuss book as an adult and it's like a totally different mm-hmm. perspective for you yeah it's 100 percent it you realize that you are i can't think you of any are good red dr. fish seuss references right <laughs> red fish blue fish one fish yeah. two fish whichever <laughs> way that goes that's who you are you're red fish mm-hmm. sure <laughs> I, I don't remember the redfish being evil. Oh, you haven't read it recently. Sure. Oof, you gotta get <laughs> But it's right. Yeah, it really is. It's it's just I it's so funny. It really does parallel the the real life decision making and it's interesting and you can obviously see the intent as well. We've we've hammered this now a few times, but see the intent as well that the main aspect of this game is about the community building mm-hmm. and having friends and it's sort of that Nintendo Wii yep. approach to gaming or just the Nintendo approach in general where it's it's about the community aspect of gaming which I think a lot of us can appreciate yeah, keeping that in mind. So for the music and sound, Kenneth Young, Daniel Pemberton and Matt Clark were the composers for Little Big Planet. Young also served as the audio designer, while Matt Willis served as the audio programmer. Stephen Fry serves as the narrator. Young joined Media Molecule in 2007 following their presentation at GDC. He did the majority of the sound work and composed a few of the songs, along with directing the composers and the creative side of the music licensing process, producing the voice localization from the Media Molecule side of things, and being heavily involved in the design of the audio-centric UGC features of the game. A soundtrack album titled Little Big Music was eventually released digitally containing the music Pemberton composed. Little Big Planet contains 21 tracks that were licensed by other producers and 14 original tracks made by the composers. Young was the one who found the songs and got them licensed. Key bands that license one of their songs to the game include the Go Team and Battles. The main theme was composed by Pemberton, of course, and some of the original tracks are called interactive tracks, most of which were composed by Clark. The interactive tracks allow players to change what instruments are playing at any given time. Much of the original music took influence from world music, mashups, and 1970s television shows for children. Early on in 2006, there were plans to add a music sequencer for players to create their own music, but it was scrapped until the development of Little Big Planet 2. 
One of the licensed songs in the game is Toonami Diabate's Tough and Young from Boulevard Day Independence in 2006. The song contained lyrics sung by Musa Diabate that lamented the death of his brother Mustafa and contained references to the Quran, the Islamic religious text. The inclusion of the song in beta versions of Little Big Planet was met with controversy among Muslim gamers who found combining the text of the Quran with music to be offensive, despite Toonami being a devout Muslim. They requested Sony Computer Entertainment to remove the track via a patch, and this led to a worldwide recall of Little Big Planet from retailers on October 17, 2008, and the release of Little Big Planet to be delayed. Version 1.02 would be implemented, removing the lyrical content of Tafun Young. I, I understand, um, you know, wanting to appease everyone and, and people feeling that it should, like, things shouldn't be used in certain ways. I understand that. Um, and it got delayed, but hey, they learned, pulled them lyrics out, got that song a going, and got it slapping once more. <laughs> As the kids say, uh, bet on gang, got it slapping once more. <laughs> now, talking about the release, none, none of this is making the final cut of this pod. None of it. <laughs> Speaking of releases, the original announcements pointed to a full release early in 2008, but Sony later said the game had been delayed until September 2008 in the UK. During the Sony PlayStation Day on May 6, 2008, in London, Sony announced the game would be delayed for October. By September 2008, the release date was confirmed to be October 21st of 08 in North America and Latin America, with a European release later that week. However, with the changing of Typhon Nagan in there, it was delayed further. But before it was released, because we talked about that 1.02 patch to remove the song lyrics, we had a 1.01 patch that added new costumes and tweaked some online functionality. 1.02 removed the lyrics, and then it was finally released on October 27th, 2008 in North America, with the servers activating the same day. It was then released in Japan on the 30th of October, in Europe on November 5th, and Australia on November 7th. All levels that were created during the beta phases were transferred over to the final version. On October 28th, the servers were shut down due to glitching issues, with version 1.03 fixing those issues a couple days later. On December 19th, 2008, version 1.07 was released, which added the in-game store to buy DLC and an overhaul of the level search function. So again, as we kind of break these down in these different version patches, this is what we talked about earlier of having kind of the idea of a very early live service game of like, we want to add more to this. One, we don't know where this game is going to go or how popular it's going to be, or what people are going to need. And so, like, seeing those changes happens as they keep updating it. And so, as we I get... I mean, they... Oh, good. They definitely kept their word of, we want to make sure that this game has a lot of developer support as it goes on, mm -hmm. which I think is what really made the game turn into a franchise. It's absolutely it. Because as we see a couple more versions come out, we have more bug fixes, we have an improved decoration mode. One thing that's kind of interesting is a location-based matchmaking system. So we're not talking about like Slayer. We're talking about like playing with people online for the lowest latency so that you can play and not see like Sackboy drag across the screen really quickly because of some lag, because you, you know, you're 
ping is at 200 or 300 where you can get someone closer to you. So definitely some very smart things that are added into the game that just improve that quality of life. A Game of the Year edition of Little Big Planet was released in North America on September 8th, 2009. This version included all of the content from the original game, as well as exclusive levels from 18 members of the Little Big Planet community. The re-release also includes the Metal Gear Solid, Monsters, and History costume, and level packs, and the Animals costume pack. A limited number of copies of the game also included a code, giving the player access to a beta of Mod Nation Racers. Initially, there were no plans to release the Game of the Year edition in Europe, However, a version for the United Kingdom was eventually announced for release on April 16th, 2010. LBP.me, the community web portal for LittleBigPlanet that allowed players to search for community levels, was launched in December 2010. Following the 2011 PlayStation Network outage, Sony offered two free selections out of five games as part of the Welcome Back campaign for 30 days one of which was Little Big Planet. In July 2016, all Little Big Planet servers shut down in Japan, though they remained online outside of Japan besides Little Big Planet Karting and Little Big Planet PS Vita. LBP.me was shut down in November 2020, and in March 2021, all the servers in the Little Big Planet franchise shut down. Although the cited reason was technical issues, Many players believed it was because of a DDoS attack. Although the servers were briefly taken back online in May 2021, they were taken down again because of DDoS attacks, harassment, and hate speech. The servers were permanently closed in September 2021 after months of issues, with the exception of the PS4 port of Little Big Planet 3. So, just an unfortunate, sad ending to. A great online content to just being like, gotta shut it down. Man, how are you gonna go in and harass and use hate speech in Little Big Planet? <laughs> Listen, the internet finds ways. <laughs> I mean, this is like some Club Penguin level <laughs> shenanigans. That's, see, that's what happens. You close Club Penguin down, it releases the hounds. <laughs> like that's that's what happened. Like it's woo wee woo. All those old, all those like 17 plus ancient penguins out there spreading around being mean. I mean, uh, yeah, it's like Jurassic Park, life finds a way. Mm -hmm. It's like with the the gaming world, harassment and hate speech find a way. (laughs) Yeah, it's unfortunate. But what is fortunate is technically Little Big Planet was the first Fortnite. Now, let me say why. And that is from their DLC and partnerships. So over the years, Little Big Planet and the franchise it spawned has gathered a large amount of DLC. Most of them were based on third-party media, which in the first game were typically PlayStation games and long-standing transmedia properties like Disney. In general, there were two types of DLC, costume packs and level kits. Categories of costume packs include seasonal and limited time, regular and licensed. Seasonal and limited time costumes are free, while regular and licensed costumes require payment. The DLC in the first game were made compatible with other games in the franchise in August 2012. The first level kit was the Festive Level Pack, which contained Christmas-related objects and stickers. It is available from December 18, 2008 through January 8, 2009. A level kit and costume pack based on Metal Gear Solid 
was released on December 23rd, 08, just in time for Christmas. The level kit had five main levels and various objects and stickers. One of the objects was the Paintinator. On the 23rd of April, 2009, Creator Pack 1 was released as DLC for free. This pack added new Create Mode tools, including a new type of checkpoint, which provides the player with an infinite number of lives for a given section, a tetherless version of the jetpack, and a power-up removal marker that forces the player to drop any power-ups, such as the jetpack. The History Kit was released on August 13th, 2009, with various historical-themed objects and stickers, along with a sound object and music track. Three new songs, composed by Clark, were released on October 8th of 2009 as the MM Music Pack 1. They were well-trained, Wise Owl, and Tea by the Sea. After being announced in August of 2009, Water was added in the game through a level kit based on Pirates of the Caribbean and was released on December 22, 2009, along with a related costume pack. The level kit also had five levels and various objects and stickers. DLC related to The Incredibles, which includes costumes based on the characters and a level kit containing theme stickers and items, was released on April 8, 2010. Marvel DLC was added to Little Big Planet on July 7th of 2010, including a few costumes and a level kit containing Marvel-themed stickers, music, and items. On December 31st, 2015, the Marvel DLC was removed from the PlayStation Store, making them unavailable to players who had not purchased them at the time. And on December 21st of 2017, all Disney-related DLC for the franchise was removed from the PlayStation Store. This included many costume packs and the two Disney-related level kits from the first game that were based on Pirates of the Caribbean and The Incredibles. And so I did some digging, and by that I did nothing, but I'm going to speculate. <laughs> Around this time, you got Fortnite coming out, getting a little popular, trying to steal uh. the idea of costumes. Disney's like, sorry, sack boy, kicking you to the can, even though you were Fortnite first. Same gameplay and everything. And now we're now switching over to this new hit thing that Gen Zers will just love and gobble up because that's what we do. You know, thinking about this and really the Sackboy design, it feels like this was a virtual version of what pop figures eventually mm -hmm. became, mm -hmm. where there was really no limitations. Yeah, we're going to have Sackboy. You could dress up like Captain Jack Sparrow. You can be the Marvel characters, the Incredibles. You know, there's really no limit to what it is that we're willing to put in this game design. Exactly. Pop figures, very similar design. Big head, little body, no limitations. I'm just saying. Listen, I'm not saying you're onto something, but I am saying you're onto something. I think. If we go back, I do believe now that Little Big Planet is literal. That this planet is just so connected from this game. Sackboy <laughs> has united the worlds of physical media. Digital media brought it into one, and it technically started Funko and for Funko F, Fortnite F. I think we're on to it. I, I'm picking up what you're putting down. The community connection obviously created. Uh, an artificial intelligence mm -hmm. within mm -hmm. the little big planet sphere, and it is now sentient. Yeah, 
I, and it is actually behind Funko Pops. It's, it's, you heard it here first. It's the only explanation. Well, it's probably not the only explanation, but it is an explanation. <laughs> now, 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 we, you know, speculations can rise where we come from of what is Fortnite, what is Sackboy, are they the same or not? But let's talk about the community and what really drove this game and really drives most modern multiplayer games that are in the same vein. Around the time of its release, Little Big Planet took off in popularity, with Mike Reperez of Games Radar Plus having noticed in November 2008 that, quote, hundreds, if not thousands, of PSN users had been uploading a continuous stream of homemade levels to the game's straining servers, with varying levels of quality and dedication. By July 2009, one million levels had been published on Little Big Planet, and by July 2013, 8 million levels had been published across the franchise. There were a variety of levels created, including side-scrolling shooters, multi-step like, platforms that were like, insane to finish, and, and, and like, the creativity just kind of expanded from there, and, and allowing you to use those level creators that we see, again, I'm going to compare it to Halo Forge, allowing you to break the game in a certain way and play it in a way that it was I'm not going to say it never intended to create. Maybe they intended some of this, but breaking it to make it a whole different mode. Right. Taking the, the toolkit that the, that the devs had and adding a few limitations, I'm sure, but taking these assets and, and giving you the ability to just make your own things uh, if you want more of a challenge or less of a challenge even, or just like a, a silly thing. I never had the patience for things like this. I don't know about you, but... Um, my brother loved things like this, so I, I, wide appeal. I tried. Again, my thing was Halo. I tried in Forge, and my thing was more just like, how do you make a map to put a bunch of vehicles on and have fun with those? How do you, put, how do you try and get some oh, yeah. elephants going? But making actual either cool levels or like Duck Hunt or Warthog Run or any like those like classics that have been staples throughout the franchise, no. I don't know if the patients or know how to do any of that. Get out of here. Well, and you see where things like this lead to really cool things in, in game design where we have things like Griff Ball come out of this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We have, um, and obviously that's Halo, not Little Big Planet, but we have um, in the Mario Maker type games where you have to constantly be moving as Mario or you die. Yeah. You know, these extra challenges, and obviously Little Big Planet. You could have things like that, more akin to Mario. Mm -hmm. But, like we said, shooter stuff as well. Exactly. Now, by the time the servers rest in peace did for all the games, with the exception of that PS4 port, 10 million levels had been published across the franchise. Again, this is a game that was very niche when it came out. It was very popular, but it was, it was niche in that sense. And to have 10 million by that time is insane. Now, despite the popularity... There has been little scholarly research on the culture surrounding Little Big Planet. Though an early analysis focused on the commercial and technological infrastructures that influenced the player on that innovation, later studies would focus on player agency within the community. Sarah M. Grimes of Culture Studies noticed how the culture scene is tethered to Sony and integrates player based activity and cultures into the Little Big Planet brand. She concluded that the digital culture surrounding Little Big Planet could either be a call to revisit ways cultural scenes can be evaluated or a corporate controlled infrastructure that is too broad 
to be considered a cultural scene. I added this because I don't think we talk a lot about where cultural impacts may hit or how it's shaped in these certain senses or, again, how gaming cultures and communities can focus on certain games. I, I bring up Mario Maker again, which was... I don't even know if it was a success. I think people enjoyed it. I thought I think people thought it was kind of cool and maybe played some user-created levels, got too angry when they were just like too impossible on the extreme mode and quit playing. But to see where that community exists today and how hardcore it is and how they all know each other and have become friends through that, I think that's such an interesting bit on how gaming is an influence, even in a small echo chamber, built as very much a Nintendo throwaway game that was a test game for them to be like, here you go, see how, see how it plays. For something to evolve from that, I think is very interesting. Yeah, I think that it fits right in with subcultures. And when you are someone like this Sarah M. Grimes, mm -hmm. whose you know, purpose is to study culture, I think that it's totally valid to look into how do people that aren't necessarily interacting uh, with people in a face-to-face -face situation, how they can find these online communities and what that really means to them and definitely make comparisons and contrast things with those real-life interactions versus these. I mean, there is like a kinship, I think, within gaming communities because everyone has this thing in common mm -hmm. whereas in other communities like your local communities sure you your common denominator is that you all live in the same area sure but as far as special interests go things like this are a little bit more specific and i think that that's what makes them an interesting study absolutely so while Little Big Planet was not the first game to be marketed around user creation and PC players could modify PC games, these types of tools were not available to console players at the time. Little Big Planet was not only the first game of this type on console, but the first mainstream game to give players creative tools to create levels and share them to the community. It coincided with the rise of user-generated content and proved that developing creation tools for video games was worth investing in. It was also an early example of website integration and public beta testing, which was not common before then. By January 2009, Peter Molyneux of Lionhead Studio had declared the game to be the most important creative innovation of 2008. The success of Little Big Planet kickstarted a genre of video games where the player could create their own levels. Sony would apply the tagline, play, create, share, to their racing game, Mod Nation Racers. And while it was not as successful as Little Big Planet, other games like Trials, Planet Minigolf, and Joe Danger would follow suit in applying the same philosophy. Other games in the genre include Minecraft and Super Mario Maker, and after distancing themselves from the Little Big Planet franchise, Media Molecule developed Dreams which further expanded upon game creation. Which I will say is such a huge leap to go from Little Big Planet to Dreams, which I don't know if you ever played Dreams on, on the PlayStation. Um, it's, oh, yeah. It's basically like, what if we had Little Big Planet, but we didn't, but you created whatever you wanted. Like, we took the idea of literally, like, play, create, share, and made it sentient. And now, I don't think Dreams... 
I don't know if they ever thought that it would replace gaming or that it would be a big game. Um, I've mostly only seen people kind of like meme on it a bit and, and see like, you know, Shrek in literally every game ever type thing. Um, <laughs> but, but it is... And I'm going to say this now. I think it's going to influence a lot of future game developers. I think kids that are able to do this and be able to like jump into this thing and have you know this toolkit on a console and be able to create these levels that most of them are pretty jank, but there's still some that come rivaling like what the game they're trying to replicate does. I think it's pretty big, and I think it is that great title for this dreams. It's jumping around in different dreams of like these character creations and creations that people make, but it still tries to build that community. Yeah, it's something that has recently been uh, sort of in my focus. It brought to my attention because if uh, I've talked about Mythic Quest a few times in this podcast on post shows and bonus episodes and things like that, but their most recent season really addresses that the influence of having games that have sort of that open, uh, creative side of them where people that aren't necessarily game developers where they sort of are given the tools to create their own vision, where that can lead to people's increased interest in gaming and maybe even as a future career. So mm -hmm. these kind of games as a creative medium being available more frequently and to younger audiences, I 100% think is only a positive thing. Obviously, disappointing to see the darker side of a community like this sure. where it's shut down eventually because of the harassment and the hate language and, and things like that. But overall having these things that just encourage people to be creatives when maybe they wouldn't be. We talk about the study, the cultural impact of this community. I'm curious to see now in like 20 years, the study on what did these things mean for future game development? Absolutely. I, I think it's only positives in that sense of, you know, not only just having people go into programming or go into art specifics, but allowing people to dabble all the way through with these toolkits and to get that interest, you know, growing up. You know, I, I know when I was growing up, I had a huge interest in it and I almost did go down to Full Sail um, in Florida for game development. And so it, it was one of those things where like it was a big thing on me to like see how games were developed and I ultimately didn't do it because it was just it was also such an era of like what is gaming where is it going is this viable to see now just like how realistic that is and in, in in every sense of the word um and be able to create kind of wherever you are I think is is, is a huge impact on on gaming and just just connectivity as a society as well oh yeah and definitely a very valid point the time that we were graduating high school I think things really were sort of like hitting a a new peak mm -hmm. and now it's exploded into obviously this huge billion dollar industry that really is like almost borderline just we're getting to the point now where everything is so corporate that these little indie games are sort of the more refreshing takes on video gaming. Mm -hmm. um, whereas before we had a pretty good blend, but that is an entire... Another podcast <laughs> that we could get into. So let's just move forward into the general reception for Little Big Planet, mm -hmm. which has been included among the greatest video games of all time. Eurogamer and GamePro listed the game as the best game of 2008 
and it also received various other awards from gaming websites in 2008, including Best New IP and Best Platform Game from IGN and Most Innovative Game from Game Trailers. Little Big Planet has been nominated for and won numerous awards. Little Big Planet won the most awards in the 10th annual Navigator Awards in 2008, winning six of the 10 awards it was nominated for. And they were Game of the Year, Game Design, Game Original, Children's, Graphics and Technical, Innovation and Gameplay, and SUP Performance in a Comedy. Little Big Planet was judged Best PlayStation 3 Game at the 2008 Spike Video Game Awards. Little Big Planet has received wide critical acclaim from reviewers. On Metacritic, Little Big Planet received an aggregate score of 95 out of 100, indicating universal acclaim. Mike DeLonzo of X-Play stated, The game has a few issues that could certainly use some tweaking, but they don't even come close to making this anything less than one of the most incredible games ever made. GamePro's TK Kim called Little Big Planet one of the most amazing and interesting gaming experiences ever designed. Little Big Planet was called by Edge one of gaming's rare triumphs. The creative aspect of Little Big Planet has been widely praised by critics, though some have noted how it takes patience to create a great level. Nick Suntner from 1UP.com praised Create Mode, claiming that it allowed the player to create any level they wanted and share it. Mike Jackson of Computer and Video Games pointed out that the user-generated content had been talked about in the gaming industry and felt that Sony successfully created a great game in this matter with Little Big Planet. Game Informer's Joe Juba has noted how, quote, the tools are complicated enough to perform complex tasks, but simple enough to be accessible to any motivated gamer. Kim agrees and praised the create mode for being powerful enough for the player to create the desired level. Ollie Welsh from Eurogamer said that Little Big Plant's creative tools turn it into something else entirely, a unique, hilarious, endless entertainment. The community aspect has also been widely praised. Some critics have recommended playing Little Big Planet with an online connection. De Alonzo found the online community features to be as slick as they are accessible. Welsh in particular found the tagging and heart system after playing each community level to be genius. Despite the praise to the community, views of Little Big Planet's multiplayer were largely mixed. Guy Cocker of GameSpot wrote that Little Big Planet was more fun when playing with multiple players, but more flawed as a result, citing the memorable multiplayer puzzles as good, but the clunkiness of the multiplayer in general is bad. Matt Wales from IGN noticed that cooperative play was not a significant part of the game, which I think we've talked about and agreed upon. It was, it was a thing that was like, hey... You can play with friends. And there are things you need friends for, for collecting some of those bubbles. But this is definitely kind of like, not an afterthought, but we're focusing on solo play with this to have some friends to have some fun. And to wrap up, the story mode was generally praised. Chris Roper of IGN found the first three levels of the story mode to be good tutorials. Leon Perley of PlayStation Official Magazine UK praised the mix of action, challenge, and wonder in the story mode finding the quality to be perfect and recommending it to those who are weary about the create mode. Sutner said the story mode, quote, features some of the most endearing 2D levels in modern gaming. John Tati wrote for the AV Club, called the plot, quote, brief and brilliant with replay value. 
In contrast, Seth Schiesel of the New York Times found it to be lackluster, finding the levels made by the community to be better. Variety's Ben Fritz found the story mode to be, quote, less of an experience than an exercise in collecting hundreds of items and tools and learning how to use them. So yeah, I can see the variety of opinions, especially comparing story mode to create mode. Story mode is definitely a tutorial and showcasing how the game works and, and bringing some creativity and, and difficulty to an interesting story with some interesting characters, whereas create unleashes the community to take multiple hours or days or months to build up like this perfect level experience or to challenge like what they didn't think of when they were creating the game. So I, I get both sides of that opinion. Yeah, and really, the review from Seth Schiesel, um just sort of proves that the game's intent was, like, it, it worked as designed. Yeah. Because they wanted the creator community to be the best part about this game. Mm -hmm. And if that's what it was, then, then, yeah, they absolutely achieved what they wanted to achieve. And... Yeah, of course, the story mode where you've got this team working in a limited capacity to get this game out on top of building on the other things is going to feel lackluster compared to someone like you said that has all the time to make the perfect level. And then you can get perfect level upon perfect level upon perfect level mm -hmm. and really create what is a near perfect experience. I mean, but that's just using the tools that Media Molecule put in the game uh, with the intent to have that perfect experience. Yeah. So uh, it's a, I, to me, it's sort of a weird thing to criticize the story mode in that way, but it's not totally invalid. Sure. And it's definitely hitting your word count for the day. <laughs> but as we wrap <laughs> this up, as we, we, we dish in some people, Derek, as always, and you kind of summed it up already, what do you think of it and why do we choose it? The... Community, community, community. We've definitely hit on this enough times. I don't think that I have to hit on it all again. But yeah, what a fantastic experience. Absolutely hit on all the things that I think it was trying to hit. Mm -hmm. I don't hear anything you know, from the studio, from Sony that says, we wish we had done this thing differently. I think they caught themselves ahead of time where they were actually becoming the villain in their own story. Mm -hmm. They stopped themselves. They made the right decisions. They created a great franchise and mascot, an additional mascot for uh, the Sony PlayStation. And 100% success on all fronts. We're going to call it 10 out of 10 because it did all the things it needed to achieve. Sure, it wasn't perfect, but no game ever really is. 10 out of 10 as far as the experience goes. Alex, what about you? Well, it's high praise. High praise for a sack boy. Uh, but no, I, I think we've we noted a lot of this throughout the episode of why we chose this. Such a huge community involvement. Such a flagship um, next-gen title at the time for Sony, who's, who's struggled for a long time to be like, who's a mascot? Who is someone who can appeal to everybody? And I think Sackboy was that first one where Crash was edgy. Like, we're not Mario. Look, we're a cool bandicoot. Like, we're this, this, this. And, like, it, I don't think it's stuck. Like, you were going after, like, those, like, teens. Whereas Sackboy not only hits a younger audience, an older audience, it also hits a female audience. It hits more of a demographic in that sense, bringing games to kind of everybody. And I, I think that was a struggle that a lot of 
devs and game companies were trying to do is like, how do we bridge a gap between literally everybody? And I think, yeah, you know, lovable sack boy did that. And, you know, I, I know friends and couples who like, this was their game. Like, especially when three came out, like we're playing it together. Like this is a fun experience with it. Cause they definitely do in later titles, improve on that multiplayer aspect of it. Um, they definitely do improve a lot on what the basis started in little big planet was. And that community aspect of it just kept driving and driving and driving. It was a fantastic title to have with that. So yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Even though those servers are down, it's still a fun single-player game. It's a fun thing if you can pick up for a couple bucks or emulate or play a later title. It's still worth it. So my rating's simple. Derek, you know you gave it 10 out of 10 with it? I'm going to give it sack out of boy out of 10. Like it's, that's, That is Oof. the big thing we see. We see it in all the PlayStation stuff. We see it in everything else. You guys know it and love it from the old sack boy. So sack boy out of 10. Sack boy out of 10. That's probably your most simplistic review yet. It's concise. It's to the point. You know what I'm talking about. Research for this episode was done by Alex Kendall and Derek Baker. The intro and outro music was written, recorded, composed by our friend Evan Barr. And our artwork was given to us by Aaron Shattuck. As always, beautiful people there. And we want to thank the beautiful people supporting us over on Patreon. If you haven't had a chance, check us at patreon.com slash finish the fight. Uh, we've got a lot of content in there and a lot of new updates that we're kind of working with and getting your opinions on. But want to thank some select members today with Sky the Bear, Duststorm, Snide T Bird, That LL Gamer Guy, Nick Hyman, Climbing Spork, Lee Tom Jean, Keller Kane, and Brian Yost. So thank you all so much for your support. You can find this podcast on I. IMDb? I, I can't remember. Ooh. Can't remember. Oh, yeah, IMDb. Can never remember where you can find this podcast. <laughs> you can find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or most likely your favorite podcast listening platform. If you haven't yet, drop us a review. We'd love to hear from you, and it helps us out a lot. As always, you can catch us over on Twitch. You can see me at twitch.tv slash sourman70, twitch.tv slash sourman70. As well as Derek over at twitch.tv slash thebakerman247. That is twitch.tv slash thebakerman247. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram. We also have a Discord. It's free to join. We would love to see you guys in there. Alex and I are in there hanging out all the time, talking games, talking new games, talking um, movies, music, food. Candy, Derek be munching on some jujubees, <laughs> hurting his jaw. So we'd love to see you there. Come join, come hang out. And with that, this has been our coverage, discovery, research on Little Big Planets. What is a game that you see as a community driver? Do you think we need more of this? Or are you seeing that we're having this in kind of everything? In, in kind of every release now, I guess, has their kind of own Discord server kind of updates. Did it come from this era? What do you think? Let us know. As always, I am your host, Alex Kendall. And I am your host, Sackboy. And this has been Finish the Fight, a gaming podcast.